0: Okay, hello everyone and welcome to the ACTUS podcast, Talking CDI, the nation's only program dedicated to the clinical documentation integrity profession. The ACTUS podcast is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and ACTUS. Today, Wednesday, April 29th, marks our 151st program. Today's featured Actis solution is Staying Engaged. Actis presents virtual education and community. As we all know, practicing social distancing is a must during the COVID-19 outbreak, but that doesn't mean education and networking must stop. In fact, we think they're more important than ever. So we do invite you to join us June 17th through 19th for Staying Engaged. Actis presents virtual education and community. It's a chance to earn valuable CEUs receive a part of the same edu- educational sessions you've come to love at our National Actus Conference, and network with your colleagues and peers in a series of moderated chats, all from the easy-to-use conference app that you've known to come and love. Hope you can check out this event. All right, so my name is Brian Murphy, Director of ACTIS, the Association of Clinical Documentation Integrity Specialists, and I'm, of course, your host for today's program, Provider Engagement in Epic Fashion. Um, I'm joined today by my co-host at left, Dawn Valdez. Dawn is a clinical documentation integrity education specialist uh, for us at Actus. She serves as a full-time instructor for our CDI boot camps. Um, you can read her background there. She has more than 20 years' experience in the healthcare industry, including ICU nursing, legal nurse consulting, and was a nurse manager for a large third-party administrator for which she initiated a nurse audit program. So uh, welcome back to the show, Dawn.
1: Thank you,
0: Brian. All right. And next, I'd like to introduce today's special guest, making his first appearance on the Actus podcast. We have with us today uh, Christopher Petrilli. Uh, Dr. Petrilli is an assistant professor for the Department of Medicine and the clinical lead of value-based management for NYU Langone Health in Manhattan. Dr. Petrilli is board certified by the American Board of Internal Medicine and Practices as a hospitalist. A uh, graduate of Georgetown University, Dr. Patrilli completed his residency for University of Michigan Hospitals and in Internal Medicine in 2015 and chief residency in 2016, and I'm honored to have him on today's show, so uh, welcome to the program, Dr. Patrilli.
2: Thank you. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Absolutely. All right, as I always do, I'm going to start with a polling question related to today's topic. Pulling that open now, we'll ask you to take that and we'll come back to the results in a few minutes. So what we're asking you is, have you made any CDI friendly modifications to your EHR? Whatever that may be. Today, we're gonna be talking a little bit about Epic, but just in general, have you made any CDI friendly modifications? So your options are yes. Uh, We've tried, but we've encountered roadblocks. No, haven't attempted any. Don't know or not applicable or other. And please do send your comments, interested to hear what, what they may be or how you might have made modifications. You can message those to me uh, via the chat pod. So again, have you made any CDI friendly modifications to your EHR? Your options are yes. Uh, tried but encounter roadblocks. Haven't attempted any. Either don't know or not applicable to your situation or other. And again, do send your comments, we'd like, I'll try to work those into the program. All right, we're showing about a 70% of our audience has participated in the poll, so I'm going to go ahead and close this out. And as we always do, we will come back to the results in just a few minutes. All right, as I mentioned, we have Dr. Chris Petrilli today of NYU Langone, I uh, want to welcome you to the show and thanks for being a part of the of the podcast today. gosh I I know you're super busy and and so we're very fortunate you're able to carve out a few minutes for us today to talk um you know about what you've done with Epic and and it's been you know it's a pretty cool story I I'm going to share a case study we worked on with you uh, earlier this year with the audience but before we get into that um you know I I know Obviously, you're in New York, Dr. Petrilli, the, the city hardest hit by the COVID-19 virus. I'm hoping you could talk a little bit about how this has impacted NYU Langone and yourself personally. As I understand, that you have been helping with um, treatment of these patients.
2: Yes, thank you. Um, so, I the I think everyone in New York City was um, was I want to say surprised at how just how we became the epicenter so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, NYU was, infor- was, was fortunate because we had uh, leadership who was ex- who've actually been planning for this uh, COVID-19 outbreak since the first case was in the United States. So we were lucky as frontline providers to have um, our C- our dean CEO uh, Robert Grossman, our chief medical officer Fritz Francois. Uh, Dan Wodowski, our CFO, and Robert Serfolio, our COO, really kind of lead uh, from the very beginning to try to make sure that we had uh, appropriate plans in place to have all the right equipment, enough ventilators, enough hospital beds, and enough staffing. So NYU actually had, while it was definitely busy, we had a a relatively seamless experience uh, despite the volume of patients that we saw so there was a lot of protocols that were put into place because of uh, months of planning so NYU was very fortunate because of that mm. um, and I would say that the uh, p- the patients that we've been seeing are, are we actually um, uh, released a study in a preprint server uh, called med archive which is currently being reviewed at a peer-reviewed journal um, and we looked at what the risk factors were for patients um, that had COVID-19, what the risk factors were for pro, uh, progressing to more uh, serious complications. And so, b- because we have all these patients in our system, we were able to uh, use Epic to c- extract their clinical data and then uh, provide um, the rest of the country and the rest of the world, whoever accesses the, da- the paper, with uh, that we identified the biggest risk factors were age and obesity, which was interesting. So it was, um, we've been definitely using our experience to try to disseminate our knowledge to the rest of the world, uh, since we are the epicenter in terms of number of patients that we try to help out as many other uh, hospitals as we can that are unfortunately starting to see an increase in their in the patients in their hospital.
0: Right well it's amazing work that you're doing and and i hope you're staying healthy throughout all this and and uh you know don and i we were just saying before the show we really appreciate your your efforts to uh you know keep people healthy is and and uh hopefully get them back back out yeah
2: no we 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 are working hard for that
0: yeah absolutely
1: yeah definitely and i I echo Brian's sentiment, and I also, you know, I think it's just amazing that you guys had the foresight, you know, forewarned is forearmed, you know, that gives uh, that little slogan a new meaning when you put it in context with how your organization prepared beforehand for this. So that's very impressive. Kudos to you all. i do I do want to talk to you about some things your modifications to epic and maybe we can start with with what you did and my understanding is that you created a table in Epic that auto populates applicable documentation into the h and p and so the historical t- trends like the labs the vital signs um pulled over, to my understanding, and then list the potential applicable diagnoses. Can you explain more to the audience about what this is and how it works and what you were going for? What What was the end result of what you were trying to accomplish when you created this table? Yeah, so
2: uh, basically with the focus of uh, our, our CDI team, what we're trying to do is just make sure that the, we make it as easy as possible for the physicians and other frontline clinicians to document all the care that they're delivering. So, but given the uh, other uh, burdens that, uh, uh, in terms of documentation that the providers have to, uh, that providers go through, we wanted to basically give them every opportunity to take credit for comorbid conditions that they're they're already treating for, but they just may not be documenting it clearly in the chart, or they might not be documenting it with the specificity that's required. The additional thing is that EPIC um, and other electronic health records, uh, while it's extremely helpful and it's made it much easier to find information overall, when you're actually um, in the course of uh, providing clinical care or, or documenting the clinical care that you provided the finding that data in mere real time still requires a ton of clicks so if you if you say if you know that you've been supplementing potassium but you say oh what was say' potassium or you know that you've been uh, diuresing someone with heart failure but you don't remember what their ejection fraction was as you're writing your note, all of those clinical fields that are in, dis- that are discreetly captured in the electronic record are brought into the uh, provider's workflow inside the actual note itself. So we have links set up for all of the data that's necessary for the providers to accurately and document the, uh, the severity of how complex their patients are and, and all of the monitoring or treatment that they're providing.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That's that's really.
0: Absolutely. You know, I, we're going to see when our poll results come up later, Dr. Petrilli, but you know, we have had some folks that have attempted modifications, haven't been able to make them. Um, it's not as easy as it sounds. Um, and Epic is obviously a proprietary system. So I'm curious, how you managed to get this done. Um, you and I have chatted about this, but did you have a certain connection at EPIC? Did it take a lot lot of persistence or, (laughs) go ahead.
2: Actually, it actually was not EPIC. So EPIC provides functionality that allows you to link clinical data into a note. So they provide smart links and smart uh, texts. Um, We actually were fortunate enough that uh, our chief information officer, and our chief Medical information Officer, Nader Murabi and Paul Testa, they work really closely with uh, my team and and the clinical documentation um, integrity team um, that's led by uh, Gabby and uh, arena Arena Zussman and Gabby uh, Grigas. Yep. Um, they um, so we worked very hard to make sure that all of the language that we used was ext- was compliant so that so arena and her team made sure that all the language that we would provide the the providers in in that actual workflow was at the highest integrity and compliance and then we had a part a very great partnership with mcit Uh, We still have an analyst named Roland Kasem who really built this from the ground up. We basically just gave him a couple of sketches about what we wanted it to look like, and and he developed that for us uh, very quickly. You don't actually need um, any kind of IT, like, specific background for it. You just need someone who is facile in epics, but even just um, smart text and smart links to be able to create this for you. Uh, and that's that's what we were fortunate enough to be given those resources by our IT department and 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 we took a full advantage of them and and we greatly appreciate all of their support. So it's really anyone can really do it. There's no extra functionality you need to get from Epic headquarters. It they provide you all the tools that you need. It's just getting someone to build it for you.
0: Right. So in your case, it was finding the right the right person. There was, a, you said his name was Roland there. I think you said, um, yeah. who had the expertise and and could realize the vision that you had for this. And how did you get your physicians to adopt it during their charting practice? I know it probably looks a little different than they might have seen prior. Yeah. So
2: so when 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 providers write a a history and physical note, the first thing that they see is a, a, a link. It's it's basically a list, and they choose their specialty, and within that specialty, we capture all of the diagnoses that we think would be relevant to the patient that they're taking care of. And we provide them uh, with um, the most recent echo for heart failure and cardiomyopathy. Uh, We provide them with any uh, of the electrolyte abnormalities that they may um, that patient may have, and then uh, we provide them a very easy way, right next to the clinical values that are pulled in that they've already ordered. Um, uh, we we give them uh, choices of compliant language to say, which one like based on the information on the left, which one of these diagnoses do you think most applies to what you're treating? and it, it really we really moved away from from providers who used to just write chronic kidney disease to providing them with the stages of the chronic kidney disease based on the um, GFR and then we give them all the historical GFRs right at that same uh, point of care so they can make very specific uh, diagnostic um documentation they they, they can document in very speci- with high specificity which really helps the CDI team and the coders. Um, and then we do that for about 10 diagnoses for each specialty. Um, and we, it's, it, it's really, we make it as easy as possible for the providers so that there's not that many clicks. So as soon as you hit enter, when you're done answering whether or not the documentation on the left, there was, if there was heart failure present and what kind of heart failure. And as soon as you hit enter, it takes you to the next uh, diagnosis. Based on the clinical data available, so it's 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 been the providers seem to like it, and then they've the I think they've really embraced, and I think it, it really since it's auto auto populated into the history and physical note, the providers have it, CDI has really become part of everyone's vernacular, and mm-hmm. I think that um, that that really makes a huge difference because our query response rate is unbelievably high. And I, I think the engagement that we saw by embedding it in their workflow has, has really paid
0: off. Yeah, and it's good that you focused it on the, the top 10 by specialty. So it's specific to their specialty, but not overwhelming. You're not asking for Exactly, yeah.
2: that's exactly right.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and several things that you said um, really kind of make me think of the query process because you're talking the same language of, of many of the things that we typically would write in queries. And you said that the response rate has gone up. What are the benefits? Have you realized from this? Have you noticed a a lessening of the volume of queries um, that are needed to be written by cdi and and other things that that we't you know we're not really aware of how this could impact and also, do you have plans to expand this out
2: um so yeah so we we're always the first part um, have we seen changes in the number of queries. I, I would say, actually, the number of queries that we've seen have have actually increased, um, but, however, the types of queries that we are seeing are not related to the diagnoses on the table, so um, we're able to kind of focus on other diagnoses, and I would consider the table kind of be like a low-hanging fruit type of thing uh where now providers they they are able to document very clearly with high specificity those common conditions and then the CDI team knows that when they're reviewing the chart to look for things that are that are um that are not uh in in that table and they can expand the number of of uh charts that they see and the types of cases that they review whereas they used to only be able to uh um, review X number of cases. They potentially can review more because we've made it very easy for them to identify these comorbid conditions in the documentation.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, In terms of...
1: Go ahead, I'm sorry.
2: Sorry. No, 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 you, no, you, please.
1: No, I I liked your answer. Um, I'm surprised about the increase in queries, but it makes sense because they have more production time because those top 10 are really being documented well. So that segues into the latter part of the question you know are you planning on expanding this out as you go or what other modifications
2: yeah. and and just for you- the, the the increase question i think the increase also comes from um there were conditions that providers maybe were treating but not documenting at all and now uh-huh. that they are treating them in the table uh, if if they only document it in that one note and don't document it again because again they just are they're just not great at documenting things, but they are treating and monitoring for some of these conditions. Um, I think that triggers some queries to kind of help clarify the information to make sure that it is consistently and appropriately documented across the whole chart. Um, And so I think that that could potentially, even though they're documenting it very clearly, if it's only once, um, that might lead to more queries. However, these are conditions that we would never have been able to query upon before because they were not documented at all. So as you know, we can't just document, or we can't code based on lab values or lab tests. But if the provider does document something in the note, we can clarify and ask them to either be more specific or ask if it was resolved or ruled in for certain diagnoses so we are able to To do a a better job so I think that could also potentially be why the number of queries have gone up because we're giving more opportunities to query to make sure that our documentation is more than adequate and sufficient um, and we don't have to worry about any risk of denials or anything because we would have had that multiple times in the record consistently and accurately
0: right well yeah. And in terms
2: of expanding it, so the table is great that it's in the note. A lot of people are actually complaining that it just doesn't look aesthetically pleasing, but it, I always say that if we're, if that's the type of complaint that you're getting, then that's that's probably the, the best because it means that overall they like the workflow. It's just uh, the way it looks, and since we don't print things out very often, um, we're fortunate there. But we are trying to uh, make it even easier for providers uh, so we're looking into a couple of different solutions for that to um, to to make it more aesthetically pleasing, so that when they're reading the notes, they don't see this uh, table with a bunch of grid lines, and then it's uh, more easy on the eyes.
0: Okay. So pretty pretty <laughs> things up a little bit, and it'll be perfect.
2: Pretty things up <laughs> a little bit. That's right.
0: Um, just to wrap this up, and this has been great, Dr. Petrilli, Any, um, I suppose if we have a listener here that might be interested in, in attempting something similar. Um, are there any recommendations you might have, just maybe one or two, or, or or conversely, any anything you've learned through trial and error, any landmines they might want to avoid um, before they go down? Yeah, so I,
2: so I would say that even though I mentioned that anyone can actually build a table like this, the, the most important thing is having a collaboration across CDI, the frontline providers, and your IT department. So I would suggest fostering those relationships across, uh, have either a physician champion or other physician leads that are interested in in, uh, clinical documentation, integrity, and improvement. And then find someone in MCIT that has the skill set to be able to actually build these things. And then use all of your expertise in CDI to say, uh, well, these are all the things we currently query for these are all the diagnoses that uh, maybe using benchmark data that we are diagnosing less frequently than other places and, and use that to kind of decide which diagnoses you actually wanna include in the table. Cause I think that um, no one person can can think of all of those things by themselves. So the person person's not gonna have the expertise of CDI. Mm-hmm. And then the frontline providers know how what, what they're actually seeing on the ground. So even though other hospitals might be diagnosing liver failure more frequently than others, it doesn't really help you if your hospital doesn't see liver failure. So I think it's a combination of um, partnering with all these teams, taking all of their experiences, and then um, building something that that uh, takes into account everyone's viewpoints and everyone's input.
0: Right, that's a great message to end on. and. And it sounds like you've been able to accomplish that. So, congrats! Um,
2: yeah, definitely not just me. I, again, I, I tried to mention as name, many names as possible because it's it was yeah. it's really been a team effort, and it's been I've been really proud to to be here.
0: Hat tip to Arena's Zeusman too. I know you mentioned her name. She's, yes, a, she's on the on uh, the advisory board. board. Yeah, she's great. She knows a thing or two about coding.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes, she does. I, I just was on an uh, email chain with her and I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not Irene. I don't memorize all 130,000 icd 10 codes.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh, hop back to our poll question. Again, we, we did ask folks um, whether or not they have been able to make any CDI-friendly modifications to their particular EHR. So 38% have been able to do this. 38% said yes. Uh, 15% have tried but encountered roadblocks. Uh, 21% have not attempted any modifications. 23% either don't know or not applicable, and then 2% other. I'll share a couple of those uh, other responses. But any any uh, any thoughts on this, Dr. Petrilli or or, or Don the poll results? Dr.
1: Um.
2: Yeah, I'm sorry, it just switched to the, I just see my
0: name. Yeah, I'll share it again. So this is just the the poll results here.
2: So yeah, it's the, so I think that's probably as I would have expected. I think um, if you either haven't attempted and maybe because you were anticipating roadblocks or, um, but I'm glad that at least a quarter of the people listening uh, This probably would have been uh, much more helpful for because they didn't realize that this was even a possibility. And the people who haven't attempted any, um, I definitely suggest that you at least consider it because there's there's a lot of publications and I know um, I think that the ACDIS conference. I'm not sure where that's gonna that's still on, but the next time there is available, there's a ton of posters and uh, podium presentations at this conference that are extremely helpful, and I highly recommend uh, people to attend. Uh, my old boss from Michigan, Rishi Bakshi, uh, uh, uh definitely has a couple of posters or podium presentations there, and um, I think we, we can all learn from each other's experiences. So it's great to see that uh, about half of the people have at least tried, um, but for everyone else, hopefully this will uh, inspire you to get a team together. Uh, but then next time there is a conference, I highly recommend you go, and we can all share uh, our success stories together.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. A couple other comments from the audience. Someone had mentioned they implemented BPAs for BMI morbid obesity and underweight. Um, now using Epic to send the queries directly to the in-basket. It's a permanent part of the chart. Um, Epic chat to physicians. Epic CDI note reader. AI send the queries. Smart phrases. So yeah, there are some people making some creative use of of what they've got, which is nice to see.
2: Yeah, no, and they should all present that at the next meeting.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um, Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and close that out. We're gonna do just briefly here, a couple of uh, quick final segments of the show. Um, Wanted to do a brief uh, in the news update See if I can make this a little bit larger. Um, so in the news is a regular segment, again, featuring latest news and industry updates relevant to the CDI profession and, and to Actus. Uh, this article here is from Medscape. It's called um, Almost Half of Med Practices Furloughing Staff. One in five have layoffs. As I always do, I'll provide the links to these um, articles after the show in the show notes. But uh, in, in summary, Clinicians from all over the country likely already know this, but a survey by the Medical Group Management Association, or MGMA, makes it official. 97% of physician practices have experienced negative financial effects directly or indirectly related to COVID-19. This was a survey conducted April 7th to 8th. It also showed that 55% of practices have seen a decrease in revenue, and 60% have experienced a decline in patient volume since the beginning of the crisis. Um, this has resulted in a number of medical practices that have been forced to lay off or furlough staff in result in response to the COVID-19 crisis. Um, you know, obviously, a very some troubling data here. This was um, from 724 responses, and um, just to give some context, about 75% of those respondents are part of independent medical practices and employ fewer than 50 full-time equivalent physicians. But the respondents belong to practices of all sizes and specialties. So certainly uh we're seeing this in the CDI field, but it's also hitting um our nation's physicians as well. Any uh any thoughts on this, um Dr. Patrilli, from your perspective? I know you're a hospitalist, you're employed by NYU Langone, but but certainly probably your colleagues are being adversely affected by by the uh the yeah. outbreak.
2: No, I mean, with the, the stay-at-home orders and the um, many executive orders to cancel uh, elective procedures, which which NYU has done and I think what was appropriate initially, it's definitely put a lot of um, a private, pr- both private practices as well as large centers in a huge financial predicament because when elective procedures are down, that's, that's a significant majority of Revenue that kind of keeps the lights on for for everything. So, if you go, we're, we've net we're now six weeks into this. Um, so that's about 10% or over 10% of our our volume and, and revenues are, are down because of this. And um, so, if, if health systems are um, they're definitely at high risk. And luckily, there's been some support by the federal government to to recoup some of these losses, but um, it's unclear if it's going to be enough to really help and, and keep all these institutions uh, thriving.
0: Yeah, definitely. We'll wrap up with just a quick Actus update. Again, Actus update, regular feature, bringing you the latest updates on what's going on inside of Actis. Uh, I wanted to ask and remind our folks if they could take a moment to respond to our COVID-19 impact survey. We've got over 500 responses, I'm told. Uh, this is on the Actus page, and again, I'll share the link in the show notes. But um, it's a quick 10-question survey about how COVID-19 has impacted, specifically your CDI department, whether that's been staff, whether that's been folks sent home, um, about uh, how has affected your patient census and, and therefore your your chart reviews. So we're going to be sharing the. Um, Results of this survey on our on some upcoming calls, including probably this podcast as well as our quarterly call. And uh, those who complete the survey will be entered to win a free on-demand webinar of their choosing. So it just takes a couple minutes. If we kept it to ten questions, high level, and uh, appreciate if you could take a moment to do that. Lastly, if you did like what you heard today with uh, Dr. Petrilli, this. Um, I was introduced to him through a case study I did, his colleague, Irina uh, Zussman, who I mentioned on the call. Uh, as part of our provider engagement series, we featured um, how NYU Langone engages their physicians. And um, we did a sidebar on Dr. Petrilli's experience modifying his EHR with that the table he referred to in today's call. So if you want to read more, a little bit more detail about it, it is available here on the ACTUS website. All right, that is going to do it for today's edition of the Actus podcast. Um, we're not going to be back uh on schedule till about 3 weeks, although it's possible we we may put another show on in between now and then, but our next scheduled show will be Wednesday, May 20th, and we're going to be talking about the uh, cytokine release syndrome, specifically some new codes that were that are have been added and will be effective in October uh, of this year and how one person who will be hosting on the show was able to get that change made through the uh, ICD-10 Coordination and Maintenance Committee meeting. It's a pretty impressive story. So hope you can join us for that program. Um, As a reminder, you can listen to the show recordings anytime on our website or via uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. We do put these recordings up. Uh, Hopefully we'll have it up tomorrow, if not at Friday by latest. So you can go back and listen again. Um, as always, if you have any suggestions for future guests, ideas about the, the show itself, I love hearing from you. So please send me an email at b.murphy@actus.org. at actus.org. Thanks again, Dr. Petrilli, for your time on the show. And to everyone else, we'll see you back here again in a few weeks. Take care. Everybody. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, thank you, Don.
1: Bye-bye.